Hello, everyone. This is Xander Broffel, Director of Marketing Ops at CS2 Marketing with the Forward Thinking Podcast, hosting for the very first time. Today, <laughs> Chrissy and Charlie are joining to talk about a topic that is very, very important, um, especially right now as we go into budgeting season for a lot of organizations, and that is making the case for revenue or marketing ops resources and getting more budget and bringing that to your executive team. Thanks for joining, Chrissy. Thanks for joining, Charlie. Yeah. Happy to be here. That was a brilliant <laughs> intro. For your first time, Sandra. I practiced so hard. <laughs> yeah. In the mirror this morning. I like it. In the shower. Exactly. Exactly. I don't even want to think about the first time I tried opening the podcast, like how many takes we probably took. But... Well, we have the blooper reel, right? Yeah. <laughs> that video. Yeah. Breast, breast practices. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't land with that. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to talk about this today. I think it's a really good topic, very top of mind, especially right now. So, like you said, Xander. So, Absolutely. let's get to it. Absolutely, let's kick it off. Um, so, so Charlie, let's start with you. What do you find is the biggest challenge when trying to make the case for ops resources uh, to the, your executive team? So, you know, whether that's your CMO or all the way up to the CEO, CFO. Probably just the fundamental misunderstanding of what MOPS is um, or what we do or what revenue ops is. I mean, even just taking away like the current conversation that's happening now about RevOps and if, it, if it's just a rebranded sales ops or if it's a true RevOps, just in general, just how complicated the role is, how multifaceted it is. You know, we, in terms of, you know, building this whole revenue growth architecture and how many components go into that, um, and how strategic it can be and how much of a value driver it can be for an organization. I think a lot of, um, you know, when, uh, well, I say a lot of, I'm kind of painting with too broad a stroke, I think, but some, some executives are still just confused, right? Like, mm. what is this MOPS team doing? Are they just sending emails? Are they tinkering out in Marketo? All I hear is that they're stressed and overworked and they're saying no to me a lot. Um, but um, yeah, they, they, because they haven't been on that ground level, and I mean, MOPS has been around for a, a long time, right? In, the, in this kind of latest phase um, where, with the rise of marketing automation platforms, you know, about you know, 15 years ago or so in the last 15 years, you know, it's definitely um, started to get a bit more defined, but I still think there's, there's, there's a big lack of definement and just understanding about what the role is. And so then when you go to your CMO and you're like, I need more budget for more headcount, I need more budget for agency resources. I potentially need this tool. They don't understand why, right? They're like, why can't you just you know do what your job or like, they don't understand it. And there's a lot of education. So I think that's just like, that's probably the biggest hurdle to get through. Yeah, I, I can add on to that too. I, I think that it's a, it's a bit hard as well because I think some of the the experiences that executives have with like operations can be different from company to company. Mm -hmm. And then also how it's stru structured. I, I think it has been around for a long time, but I think now we're evolving. And I think it's why RevOps is a, a big topic, but it's more around like this whole kind of architecture that we're building to support like revenue operations or the revenue team 
like I think more and more now we're realizing needs to be aligned, needs to be cohesive. You have to look at it very holistically. Um, where before I think you could very much get away with like, okay, your marketing ops team owns your marketing automation platform. They're sending emails, set, setting up campaigns. And then sales ops is like dealing with like kind of sales desk and opportunities and stuff like that. And yes, that, that was like, I don't know, 2010. Okay. But now things have evolved, things advanced. What, what companies want to do with their systems and their data to support their team has very much, um, yeah, just advance because you just realize the more you can do. And so I think execs, like what Charlie is saying is like, there may be an oversimplification in their head of like actually what needs to be done. And then that's the whole thing too, is like, they think of it as just things that need to be done. Very transactional, like, oh, we need to, you know, get emails out the door or we need to set up a campaign. But really, in order for this team to really work properly, they have to have the breathing room, the re- like the people, the skill set to really be strategic and set things up correctly, um, or else they're just kind of in firefighting mode. So I think that transactional based thinking, like of what what operations does too, kind of uh, diminishes the value of it. Like we talk about it a lot, but I I think especially at the executive level. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of detail when it comes to marketing ops. And and even in our communication to executive teams, we tend to try and summarize and and make things a little bit more simple than they are. So then, you know, you take a giant project that takes six months and you whittle it down into a executive summary. It's very (laughs) difficult to then turn around and say, well, that actually took us you know, 150 hours and this many people and, you know, outside resources or what have you. So it it can be difficult. You don't want to show that it's hard, but you kind of need to show that it's hard (laughs) to to like justify it. Right. Show the work. Yeah. Yeah, We always talk about showing your work in in our, as a consultant, right? Like show them how you got to that conclusion and why you proposed that strategy and the design. And I think that that could be a way to even do it in-house. But I think, the the CMO is the general CMO is feeling the pain. Like I think, make them really don't understand the details, but they feel the pain still. So we always talk about this concept of this growth gap, where in B two B SaaS over the last decade, they've grown, they've matured their business, the product, you know, product market fit, they've grown headcount, etc. Across the whole organization, but in terms of the actual re- resourcing of the team that's building the revenue growth architecture that hasn't kept up. So there's this gap between the maturity of the company and the product and the maturity of the architecture that's supporting the revenue teams to sell and market your product. And that, that gap is pain. (laughs) That's all the things you experience, right? Like, okay, we don't have the data we need. We've got uh, sync issues. We've got, we can't get the campaigns out the door. We're sending emails to the wrong people. Like all of these pains that the CMO bubbles up to the CMO and they get upset and they want to fix these things. And that's why in some of the Gartner surveys recently, you know, two of the, two of the top three, um, capability gaps, um, CMOs have, have recognized is around like data and analytics and like mm-hmm. they, they, they need to be able to run their business and make better decisions and be able to have analytics and correct data to do that, but they've completely lost confidence in that. And I don't know if they realize that's like a marketing and rev ops prop, like team can fix that problem. They just kind of see it and they go, this is an issue. They kind of spread it around like and 
get getting people to focus on it, but like there's some some fundamental kind of aspects of architecture that needs to be built by your marketing and robots team to support, you know, reliable data with integrity that can help you make decisions with better analytics. And that's where um, there's that gap. And that's a way to potentially articulate to to the CMO and help them understand. Uh, still work in progress, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that there's also just a lot of it, the nature of what we do is we're working on projects. Mm-hmm. And so we, we we give milestones of I completed this project and how much did I do? How much work did I do? I remember listening to the podcast before I was on the team and there was there was a, a episode talking about how you have to like relate it back to the impacts of the business. Mm-hmm. It's not about how much did I get done, but it's about what did I actually do for the business? And uh, do either of you have any any additional commentary on how to relate that work that you are doing, the sync behaviors or the data issues? And getting it back to what an executive is really going to uh really going to put some money behind yeah i mean there's i'll give a short answer i think because you're about to jump in too but there's really two things there's two categories of value that we've we feel like as cs2 you know these teams can 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 create and one of them is predictable revenue growth and the other one is customer experience and customer experience improvements and they're the two kind of major kind of categories of what leadership cares about that we can impact in so many different ways. And there's so many sub benefits within all of those and the kind of the list is rather long. But in terms of like what the execs care about, they want to have predictable growth. They want to know I can put this much money into this channel or this program and it's going to create this. And they want to know that the customer experience when when in all the different touch points is optimized and and is what they when they're in the boardroom and they're talking about this awesome go-to-market strategy, that it's actually that's what's happening on the ground level, and there isn't a disconnect. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. I honestly don't even know why I'm here because Charlie and I probably share the same brain at this point. But <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm just kidding. I think that um, I, I think that to Charlie's point is like you really need to tie it back to the main things that like CMOs care about. And we've just kind of dialed in on that. Like we've done a lot of interviews for our clients um, and C-levels and stuff like that. And and also think about what what is like has the most visibility, right? Like your your prospect experience, your customer experience, like that, like why are we doing marketing? You know, why are why do we have sales? Like that's basically like all of it, right? So if you can tie it back to that, then I think that, um, and that's the winning advantage, right? What wins deals? A lot of it is that, you know? So, um, and then that just feeds into kind of predictable growth and scalability and, and things where, where, where folks are really feeling the pain. So those two for sure. And, and, and think about this, the symptoms and then counteract that with like a win, like, right. Like all the symptoms that you feel when you don't have those two things, are probably a win that could be tied to any project that you do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, when when you've had a hard time getting budget from your executive team, how have you seen that for clients or for yourself negatively impact the team? Yeah, I, I can I can jump on that one. I think, um, I well, one I I think with the same kind of thing that we talked about with the executives, like not really under having the full picture of like understanding or kind of like exactly what needs to be done and how much work. I think 
they also don't really have like the right expectations of realistically like what needs to be invested and done um, to make sure our teams are like not understaffed, um, not overworked, and aren't working in silos. And those are kind of the big impacts that I see, and especially like teams not being aligned because um, so. I'll make a very, I'll, I'll make a kind of like a generalization based on something that we see sometimes, but executives, especially if you're a small startup and say you report directly to a CEO, maybe you don't even have a CMO. They might think like, why is this stuff not happening? Like this is easy. Like this is marketing automation. Like it should be just be happening. Right. <laughs> like, or literally how- had that conversation on Monday. Yeah. Like, Oh, lead source. Well, that should just come in automatically. It's like, well, <laughs> wow, no, you know, just so, so massively like underestimating the like what needs to be done. And and I think on top of that, if they're having like a bunch of tech debt from not investing into the people and so they're just putting in these band-aid things, it's even more like work and time just to do some of the simplest things. So it just kind of further kind of like feeds into that problem, but then they're still having these unrealistic expectations. I think also too, execs don't realize like the difference in skill sets. So when you're looking at your resources, sometimes you do need to, yes, you can bring people in house, but they're not going to know everything. Also, depending on how much experience they've had, they're not going to know how to be strategic. And so sometimes you might need to really think about where you invest money. It might be even more than you think, but into like a strategic kind of resource. And then also maybe think about, okay, who are going to be our hands on keyboards and really doing the day to day. And, and that's a different skill set, but, um, you, there is quite a bit of an investment and I think CMOs are happy to spend like. 90 to 100k on event but for some reason they still haven't got around like doing the same thing just to put in some support for their operations which you're not going to get the roi on that event anyway unless you're operationally sound so mm-hmm. i don't know I, I think the execs really need to change their expectations yeah i think in terms of under resourcing and then the pain i think it comes back to what maturity level do, as an organization do you need from this architecture this revenue yeah. growth architecture to be able to achieve your goals and if that isn't aligned then you're not going to achieve your goals right i think it's just quite as simple as that the customer experience will be impacted your growth will be impacted pipeline conversion rates through the funnel and that's just kind of business issues right there's going to be true business yeah. loss uh, and risk through under investing um, and then the, the issue, what, the, what happens generally is that there's, all, there's this downward spiral where you're under investing, your team is now only in a reactive firefighting mode. So they're just band-aiding things together and hope, like praying it doesn't all just fall apart overnight. Then now leadership, and I hear this a lot from leadership, where they literally say they, they're just like, I'm just not, I just don't think, I just think everything's broken. Now the leadership completely loses confidence in the team. It creates a bad culture of like mistrust and and stress. Your mops and rev ops people leave. It's a revolving door every six to 12 months. As they leave and new people start, there's a gap where you don't have anyone. The new person ramps up. They're not really productive after, until after a few months. 
they then just go into firefighting band-aid mode nothing really is work being worked on strategically and everything just continues to get worse right yeah. and then that's when tech debt accumulates things get really hard to do projects store nothing feels like it's getting done and then the more that you go down that downward spiral the harder it is to kind of work your way back up into a better place because now you're having to you, it's, we always talk about this concept of you know you've accumulated so much tech debt even if you had 10 people on a team, you can only pay off the interest. You can never get actually pay down the principle of that debt. Um, and that's a really bad place to be because once you get there, um, I don't want to say you can never get out of that, but it's it's going to be very difficult to get out of that. And actually your whole job would just be trying to pay off tech debt and not focusing on more of an opportunity opportunities for your business. Um, so... I mean, there's a business issue, there's a team issue, just a team morale issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's it's tough. And in this time of tightening budgets, I think I actually had a LinkedIn post a few weeks ago where I think this year or this year and maybe next year is going to accumulate so much tech debt because everyone's under-investing in, in this area um, that we're all in for a real fun, fun ride and... 2024 <laughs> to clean it yeah. up. I, I think about like being a part of very high growth companies that, that grow super, super fast. They usually don't grow the operations team at, mm-hmm. at that same scale. Right. And so now all of a sudden, if we just focus on marketing ops, now you have people who are events, people who are also now creating, you know, programs in HubSpot or Marketo or Pardot or somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And you're decentralizing a lot of the tasks that could be managed by a mar- marketing ops team with a very structured intake process, QA process, enablement process, right? Mm-hmm. And you're decentralizing some of that work because you have to scale. I know I, this is something that I had to do. And it's it's tough because now, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And you have less controls over the the input of data and the process that goes into it. And then that accumulates the tech debt and the data debt. Um, and it just makes it that much more difficult to scale the entire business. Whereas if you, again, took maybe one of those events and diverted those resources into a marketing ops function that can help to scale when you just added five new marketers to the team you would be able to actually activate those marketers more effectively too. Totally. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, so we've talked a little bit about the wins uh, uh, around, you know, business impact, uh, primarily being predictable growth and an amazing customer experience. Um, anything else that you, that you can think of, uh, Chrissy, from, a, from a, a win that you can bring back to the team? Yeah, I mean, I think that those two are, I think, are probably some of the big ones that we talk about. I think that as far as the, uh, like, other byproduct, I think of it as being, like, really, like, more tighter alignment between the sales and marketing team. Because Charlie really nailed something when he said trust. And I think that that is kind of the backbone of like a revenue team, like working really well together. And the fastest way to lose trust (laughs) with sales is some of the symptoms that you get from these, like when your, your operations isn't up to par, like maybe 
you have issues where they're seeing like junk data, like you said, or they realize, oh, my lead volume's gone down or my lead flow. And it's because of some issue that people don't know about. Um, they're having to waste time on calls with people who are junk where they, those could clearly have been filtered out somehow. Or their customer or opportunity who they have been working on for months gets an embarrassing kind of like mistargeted email that makes like no mm -hmm. sense, right? So like, mm -hmm. I think those are all things that then can be like fingers pointed back at marketing, um, marketing feeling like they're doing the, all they can to support sales, but they're still feeling like they can't win. And so, um, and right now the best way to win deals and drive growth is when that whole revenue team is really working together, really trust each other, really like humming and supporting each other. It's funny too. We have a lot of conversations going on right now from folks around who's getting credit for deals, like sales or marketing, right? Like the age old question. And that to me also is feeling like a symptom of people feeling like there's a lack of trust a lot, or a pressure to prove themselves. And I think those conversations happen when you're not achieving the growth that you want, when there's a lack of alignment. And so I do think that um, where I've seen the best alignment has been in companies where they've really invested in operations. And yes, it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But it is a lot better because you're you're also able to have these conversations like what Charlie's talking about, but based on data and right data yeah. and make quicker decisions, make quicker changes that really impact um, the bottom line. Because instead of dealing with tech debt, you can be like, oh, we see that this issue um, with our, you know, our targeting, we're not seeing the right people come in. Let's put in a, a change for that. Well, that could take like months for a team to even notice or hey, our, our revenue reporting is looking like, oh, we need more campaigns running in this region and we are seeing pipeline drop in the next two quarters. Well, you're, you're not having those conversations unless you have a strong analytics framework. So, but how do you get to that? Like you need the resources and you need the people. There's a tops down and bottoms up approach to, to handling this problem. You know, if, if the goal is to get more resources, and therefore, if that's the goal, you need to convince C-level people to get more resources, which is becoming increasingly more complicated and more more C-level people have to approve on that, right? Maybe in the past, just your CMO had to approve it. Now your CFO, CMO, CEO, CRO, every <laughs> board, everyone has to approve this now. Um, if that's yeah. the goal, you can think about it either, okay, what are you seeing on the ground level that you think can be optimized to impact revenue because that's what they care about right i mean yeah it's what is actually going to impact revenue so some, even something as simple as just your speed to lead process you know that is going to impact revenue if you have an interested buyer who wants to talk to sales demo request contact us type of um conversion and that process isn't working very well is slow not getting back to people that is truly impacting revenue and that's something that the ops teams can fix um, so you can think about it from doing that assessment on your, at your level and go through, go to market strategy, operationalization, the analytics that you know you, and you can dig into, and then the core operational pieces that impact the customer experience and revenue. And then go to your leadership and say, 
okay, this is what I think that we should do. This is the roadmap. This is the outcome. It's going to impact revenue in X, Y, Z. I need more budget to achieve it. Or you can go the tops down approach where you interview or you just listen really closely to what your CMO and C leadership team are talking about. Because I guarantee you all of their problems that they talk about, you can, there is a way that you can fix that in some way. Or like you yeah. can provide input in some way to address that. Like maybe you need to work with other teams to fix it 100%, whatever, depending on the problem. But you can put input into that. So I think really understanding what they care about and aligning to that while also doing your own assessment and trying to figure out how you can improve anything that's going to impact revenue. And if you could do those things, like we, you can you should be able to get budget. If, 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 there, if you work for a healthy organization that looks at things through more of a return on investment lens and you go to them, we can get this return on investment if you put this budget in, then how can someone say no to that, right? Like if you can show that, that you're gonna, the payoff's gonna be more than the investment, then a healthy business should obviously trust you. And if they do trust you, and if you are right in your analysis, they should put the investment there. So um, just a way to think about it, which is like less specific on what win to focus on, but more of an approach to get to the wins to take to your business. We spend a lot of time uh, building business cases for new technology right? And doing a ton of vendor due diligence processes. And then I, I, I found myself guilty of this when it comes to staff. It's like, oh, I just, I, I need somebody. Here's my business case. I need somebody, Right. you know, build the business case, take the time to go through that process and, and align it to specific projects that can really help to make a difference, can make your business case a lot easier for somebody to sign off on. I like that. Um, so, so what can people do who are, you know, understaffed, they're under-resourced, um, and it's really tough for them to get budget now? What are some things that they could do to help get through that? I was going to say a joke. I was like, quit, but no, I'm only joking. Uh, <laughs> Let's not quit. No. Positive things that we can do. <laughs> I think... Um, I looking at it and, and I think having been in this situation before because I've you know Charlie and I before we're starting CST we had a history of working in startups and it wasn't even like oh you know there's bad times going on or we have to cut budget it was just always a matter of like demand and took all the budget here's what's left for you you know or yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> that's how it used to be back in the day and then um so I think for when it's tough to get budget now, I think like what we're, we've been talking about, really focus on what really is going to drive revenue impact the customer experience. And so that'll help you kind of like nail down your list of like projects or, or priorities um, to focus on. I think also at the same time, if you're trying to get more resources like people or an agency or something like that to help on those projects, think about how you can then minimize costs in other places. And the good thing about ops is we have some of the data points to help us do that. So um, cutting out like tech, like the, there's, you could do a tech vendor audit analysis and for most smart people, you could do this in like half a day because you know what's being utilized and what's not on what shelfware. 
So I think bringing that to executives to actually show, okay, this is where we could actually just cut out some of those reoccurring expenses, which finance would love you to because they don't want those either Um, that don't bring any value. And then say, hey, we could, you know, save all this money cutting out this tech or uh, these, you know, resources maybe we're not getting the most value out of and then put that into making the case for the budget that is. Um, and that I feel like that can be super helpful just to start. So instead of people, and also if you have resources, sometimes they're going to like an agency or a vendor or even your people, some companies are going to kind of try and go straight for that because that's an easy reoccurring cost. But if you can get ahead of that and be like, actually, I've done this analysis, let's, let's first cut from like technology. And I'm sorry, tech, if you tech vendors are listening to this, but mm-hmm. like that could be a good way to do that first. So then you can at least protect the current resources you have too. The good thing about removing tech and, and, uh, and it's, it's weird to be an, an ops person and like hate on tech, but um, there's definitely some shelfware out there. There's a lot of tech that's like super helpful and you can't live without. Obviously don't mm-hmm. get rid of that. But if there is some shelfware, the good, there's, 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 there's two benefits to, re- to removing it. One is that you save budget that you could allocate elsewhere. The other is, you know, ops people know this, other people don't, is that every new tech, every new technology you have actually adds more to your plate to handle. It's not, I've never met a MarTech or sales tech that has taken more off the plate of the ops team than it has put on the plate, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So like, if you remove that, even if it's shelfware, you're still checking the integration, troubleshooting issues, um, make go kind of keeping up with updates. You know, making sure that any you you do an update in, you know, your marketing automation platform, it plays nice with the integration with whatever else mm-hmm. it is. So like, there's this constant other. Um, every tech is kind of a, every piece of tech is a, is a layer of operational overhead that you have on your team. So if you remove that, that saves you time maybe gives you some more budget to get more time from either an agency or a person. Um, and then in terms of getting resources with tight budget, you can always start small, right? Like I think you don't have to go and hire a full-time headcount. You could work with an agency um, and not trying to sell CS2 here or anything, but like you could uh, work with an agency and get like a smaller amount of hours to begin with just mm-hmm. to get some support. And then, you know, what we see often is that, once the business sees the value that, you know, a good agency can provide, then they're willing to maybe put a little bit more budget in, you know, get, okay, mm-hmm. actually, I saw them deliver this project is providing loads of value. Okay, let, I want them to do two projects at a time now. And there's a little bit more budget comes a little bit more. So I think that land and expand is definitely a powerful way to kind of get what you need. So don't maybe go too big to begin with, if, yeah. if the business is going to be fearful of that. That's great. Um, Chrissy, anything else in terms of like immediate things that people can do? Yeah, I think that another thing that, um, I think about as well as just being in the mop site is like focus on like the insights on how to save budget overall. Um, so I think right now is a very good time as an operator to lean into, um, and if you can, the analytics and, 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 and data and really show the marketing team like where they can make smarter investments or save overall budget. 
Um, and so obviously that might mean that they just save budget, but at least like the marketing budget is like a pot, right? It's going to be spread yeah. out. And so a lot of the times what we see too is if demand gen or the other parts of marketing don't use all that budget, sometimes it does like, hey, ops, we didn't give you probably enough, but now we're feeling these pains. Why don't you then take this extra budget we found and go spend it? We see that a lot as an agency. That's why we get requests like about this time or the end of the quarter, because it's like, oh, here's what's left over. And yeah. so, but if you can get ahead of that and actually then also help them make smarter decisions in their own like budget allocation, cutting costs um, in, in certain areas that don't provide value, not only do you look more strategic, which then just helps the, like that, you know, lens and view and what CMOs are actually looking for and puts more trust back into your team, which then makes them closer to you want to invest more. It, it, like, it's kind of like those things where you, you know, you give rats like sugar water and they keep coming back for more and more and more, you know, it's, it's the same thing. If you have a drip of like really good data and insights and, um, that CMOs are really struggling to look for, like, they're just going to want to like invest more into the team because they're like, wow, I, these are, this is amazing. This is what I've been looking for. So there's like indirect kind of, um, impacts to that and your job is protected. You're, and you can say, hey, I actually am stuck down doing all these other things and I don't have the time to even be more proactive to do this at a more regular cadence. And then they'll say, okay, well, let's bring in more resources to help you. So I think operators, if, if you can lean into owning more of those conversations, building out an analytics framework, showing data to your CMO, because not only will it save budget, it'll, it'll really help you elevate and potentially get more resources for your team. That's great. And then Charlie, let's say that we get that budget. Um, you know, how would you, how would you approach it? If you had the opportunity to hire somebody, um, how would you choose who to hire? Uh, what type of role to fit? You know, not, not in terms of like who is an individual, but like what role would you start to look toward? Consultant answer incoming. It depends. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it does obviously depend, right? Like how big's your current team? What's your level? Are you a director or VP operator? Or um, I think I have. I will say maybe Charlie, because I was listening to a podcast, and one of the answers was sometimes it's easier to say what not to do than mm. what to do. So I almost even think Charlie like. What what first role like should they hire? But where maybe should you not hire first? Because then that's not going to be effective. What's what? Give more detail on the situation. Is this a mops team of one director of mops looking to <laughs> be a mops team of two, or what? Give, let's let's let, talk about this. Let's make a scenario here. All right, scenario is you're a mops team of one. You're a senior manager, and you want to be a director. Okay, that's the first role that you would do. I would say, uh, interested in both your thoughts actually on this, I would say if you mops team of one, actually regardless of whether you're a director or a senior manager, I would want to um, get someone to help on campaign execution. Right. Um, I would, because I think it is, there's, uh, my opinion is that someone working on um, campaign execution and kind of that kind of ongoing support of the teams, you know, QA, getting emails out the door, et cetera, it's a different muscle and mindset than someone working on bigger 
um, projects that are on the roadmap aligning to the value and stuff that we've just been talking about. So mm -hmm. it, the, the challenge that everyone in, in ops has probably been through, and if not, maybe you should, because it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a, you kind of have to pay your dues in being the mops team of one once in your career. I um, write a passage. Write a passage. Yeah. I'm only joking. You don't really, but, um, it's, uh, you, you can't do both, right? Cause if you're trying to work on a big project, you need like a lot of deep time, a lot of kind of yeah. thinking time, you uh, less interruptions. And if, if you're doing the campaign, it's work and you're supporting 50 marketers getting their campaigns out the door, your Slack is going off like crazy. You're working in your project management tool, trying to keep up with all these requests. You're doing builds, you're doing QA, you're going back and forth on like copywriting and emails. Like how can you do that and spend, you know, 10 hours over a couple of days doing like a big build and design of something like very strategic and like, for example, like a speed to lead or order of ops projects. It's very difficult to do both at the same time. So I would try and split those roles as kind of the, that first step. What do you two think? Chrissy? I agree. Like I, I always say like the more you can, like if you can do this early on too, like if you can actually split out your team and resources to be like someone who like a team that's focused on campaign execution and operations, and I'm not diminishing that work. There's a lot that goes into that, but to Charlie's point, it's a service, it's a service based. Like it's very, you know, it requires a lot of um, time each day. And so you can't do both. Like you can't be a strategic leader and then be doing that. And so, but then also if you want to be strategic, like thinking through, um, like the analytics side, and then that might even make the case for like, that's another service. That's another skill. Yeah, Let's bring right. in someone to do that. So I think you'll start to, and the relationship building is so important for a leader in operations, building that alignment, um, building alignment with the other operating teams. You like it's so impossible to do that and not feel burnt out if you're doing all the other things. And so, um, you need your operations team to have that breathing room to, to do that. And can I say something about campaigns? Cause I think, um, I think that sometimes, um, and maybe even I said this in the past, you kind of imply that the campaign X is just, is just running the business and it's not strategic. And then they, there's like this other strategic work. I think it's, they both teams and both skill yeah. sets and both roles have strategic both strate strategy and also support running the business yeah. um i would because I, I would also say the campaign x person um yes maybe you could hire someone a bit more junior to help just kind of get campaigns out the door but really you want them to think beyond that and not just like how are we getting campaigns out the door but mm -hmm. one how are we improving the whole overall campaign operations architecture and process so we can have mm -hmm. yeah. repeatability, scalability, less issues, you know, more integrity within the whole process so we can have just like this best in class campaign execution system. But then also they are on the front line of all of your messaging, your positioning, how you are communicating with customers, uh, sales and marketing alignment on communication orchestration. And that, and that is, so impactful on the customer experience. So mm -hmm. the, even they shouldn't just be like a ticket master, just taking tickets and executing. There should be, how do we fix this whole process and make it better? But also they should also be giving feedback to the people who are requesting these campaigns. Like, okay, like this copy doesn't align to our messaging or 
oh, we A-B tested this, or we should A-B test this, and then feed that back to the team, giving that, uh, giving that analytics for how things are working in the campaign execution or kind of messaging, uh, copywriting, et cetera, to the teams they can improve. And doing that through like micro consulting kind of on a regular yeah. basis, but then also more regular cadence, like maybe quarterly, taking them through email performance, landing page performance, all of that kind of stuff to show how that they can improve. And that's all strategic. And that should be still handled by that campaign execution person because they're dealing with it every day. And they're, they're, they're the only person in the company seeing everything that's going out, right? So they probably yeah. have the best idea of what's working. Yeah. It's interesting uh, to kind of wrap things up. You know, we, we, we started at the beginning talking about what are the two things that we can focus on the most, right? And that is driving results and delivering the most, the best customer experience. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we're landing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you're building up a team of people who can think strategically and be tactical. Um, and that's important. You know, mm -hmm. uh, one of the best pieces of, of feedback that I received was I, I had a CMO who said, I love that you can be at 30,000 feet and then like go down to the ground level in the same conversation right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a skill in itself. And every team is going to have elements of that, of being able to think more proactively, but then at the same time, like really get into the weeds and understand what's going on. That's kind of the, the mastery of ops. Yeah. yeah I love so. that. I love that 30,000 feet down to ground level analogy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little lightheaded sometimes. I think that we all feel that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. it is really good when we, when we have that opportunity to exercise those muscles. So um, any closing thoughts before we before we jump? I think the only one thing that just came to mind too is like even like running a business, you realize like how much like as a company grows, how much that pressure tests your operations. And I think we need to remember that like most CMOs, most head of sales, a lot of people on the revenue team, they haven't even been in operating roles or grown a business or anything like that. So I think it's a, a lesson that like operators like are learning first and even operators at a business. So like, I think if you could also align yourself um, to a mentor or someone at your company who's actually on the business operations side, they can actually be a great resource to you too, to figure out, okay, well, how do I make this case? Like, how do I, you know, talk to the executives and, and they might have those relationships too. So I, I always find like finding a mentor who, who understands this pain a little bit more than maybe the other execs that you're working with can be super helpful. That's fantastic. Great, great pieces of advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so Chrissy, Charlie, thank you so much for joining today. Um, <laughs> I feel I feel like I just stepped into a whole new world on this podcast. <laughs> you did great. So, you I love this one. It was awesome. It was yes, awesome. definitely had a lot of fun. I hope that our our listeners and viewers feel the same way. Um, if you did feel the same way, we would love to get a uh, a rating from you. Um, so please do take time. Uh, comment below. Like subscribe, share. I've always wanted to say that. Forward, <laughs> <it on>. <laughs> <laughs> Forward this on to a colleague or a friend. Uh, this is a very important topic and we want to make sure that everybody that's in marketing ops, rev ops, sales ops has the right, uh, the right approach going into this budgeting season to make the case for your team. Yeah. Maybe even send so, it to the C level so they can understand what you're going through. Right. Absolutely. 
And if you're a C-level listening to this because it was shared, thank you so much for sticking it out. <laughs> Hope that you enjoyed this. We will see you next week.